Hey everyone, this is Dave Korsunsky from Data Driven Health Radio. On this show, we look at how individuals are empowering themselves and using data to transform the way they manage their health. We interview the health experts and the scientists that will help you understand and interpret the data. We speak with the entrepreneurs who are building the tools and the technology that are allowing us to quantify our health in novel and powerful ways. And most importantly, we speak to the individuals who are beating the odds on everything from cancer to diabetes to weight loss and general health and wellness. This show is brought to you by Aura. They make a state-of-the-art ring that can track sleep cycle analysis, activity, and recovery. You can learn more about this product at headsuphealth.com Aura. That's O-U-R-A. This show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Keto Mojo. They are making a highly accurate and highly affordable device for testing blood sugar and blood ketones. Check it out at headsuphealth.com slash ketomojo. And lastly, the show is brought to you by Level. They are making a clinical-grade breath ketone analyzer, which measures your level of fat burning and ketosis through a simple breath. You can learn more at headsuphealth.com slash level. That's L-E-V-L. All of these amazing products are integrated with Heads Up Health. They all allow you to quantify your health in novel and powerful ways. So check them out. Thank you to our sponsors. Welcome to our show, and let's get into it. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky, and with me today is a very special guest, the founder of Elite HRV, Jason Moore. Really excited to speak with you, Jason. Our users have a ton of questions about what heart rate variability is. They want to understand how to use it to optimize their health, to help them further improve their markers of disease. And so I think there's a lot we can educate people on today I'm really happy that we were able to make this work, and thank you for being here. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dave. It's uh, an honor to be on the show, and uh, you know we've chatted a couple times, and I appreciate being able to share whatever I can and hopefully help folks out. Cool. Yeah, we got introduced quite some time ago by Rob Wolf, and we've been communicating ever since, just talking about different ways that Elite HRV can partner with Heads Up Health. And for those who are out there listening, we are starting on an integration between our two companies. So we're really, really excited about that. And your product was the first HRV testing that I'd ever done. So after you and I first got connected, I bought the chest strap and I linked it up to your app. And those were the first times I'd ever started actually measuring HRV and getting a score in the morning and starting to figure out what that is. So that was my first experience in this world. And now I'm in the midst of your training course, which we can actually link to here for people who want to get more information and really go deep. That was just awesome that you guys put together that course. So oh, there's a ton of stuff we can talk about, but let's just start with Jason and the founder's story, because as a fellow founder, I think helping people understand why you built this what this means to you, why you wake up every day and, and build what you build to help people lead better lives. So tell us how you started this company. Yeah, for sure. No, I uh, appreciate that. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a roundabout journey, but I started in information system design. In college, I studied information systems and then went on to work in the oil and gas industry and did uh, I designed and implemented large-scale data analysis systems for the oil and gas industry and designed user interfaces and things and primarily focusing on or like interpreting uh, data that would help maintain and improve the health of really expensive equipment out in yep. the field. Yep. And so lots of complex data. There were sensors on this equipment, data coming in. You know, how do we make use of this and, uh, you know, make better decisions essentially and then on the side, I was also a health and fitness coach and trainer and really just have a passion for health and for performance as well. I was a former 
competitive athlete um, when I was younger. And what kind of sports? Soccer mostly. And uh, although after I got out of soccer competitively, I've kind of continued. And I I love playing all sports. I love watching sports, although I'm a bad sports fan. And, uh, you know, I've been, I actually was a CrossFit coach for a while as well. And so just dabble in a lot of different things and just really love kind of figuring out how my body works, what it can do, and also helping others do the same. And so most of the chronic uh, issues and health issues and diseases that we see uh, increasing in modern society are pervasive in my family. So we have obesity, diabetes, and uh, heart disease, and cancer, and all these things in my family. Mm -hmm. And I'm selfishly trying to beat all of that from the one hand, but also help my family learn and um, try to create a better life for all of us together. And so the passion of health and fitness on the side there, and I was doing a lot of personal research and networking in the field with innovative coaches and sports scientists and different people, doctors, and discovered heart rate variability a number of years ago. And HRV really kind of captured my interest quickly. It's a really powerful and interesting topic. And I'm just the type of person that loves digging into the weeds on stuff. Uh And uh, then basically at the time, I kind of decided, hey, look, I have this background in designing user interfaces and information system tools, uh, data analysis tools. And I partnered with somebody to create the first iteration of Elite HRV about four years ago now in 2014. Yep. Put that out there and lots of people really, I guess, liked it and started downloading it, using it. Um, Pretty quickly, we had like national sports teams using it and doctors and people in different countries and all this stuff. So we, my wife and I, uh, we got married that same year. And the year after, quit our jobs in oil and gas and uh, started traveling and working on Elite HRV full-time. And uh, basically, full-time 2016 and 2017 really grew the platform a lot, expanded it. You know, there's, we can talk about all the different things that are in there now, but uh, the basic uh, app that's the free app on Android and iOS is the same one that our Olympians use to train for the Olympics. Yep. It's available for free to, to everybody, and that's the core of our uh, business. So lots of stuff to add on to that. But uh, the other thing to mention, I guess, is that originally we had a lot of kind of fitness seekers and uh, recreational athletes and yep. competitive athletes. That was your and first, now, first adopters, sounds like. Exactly. Yep. And then as we've grown over the years, the use cases have expanded basically like crazy. And we have people managing chronic health conditions. We have people doing physical rehab and uh, psychological rehab and optimizing mental performance, Mm -hmm. uh, reducing inflammation, all ends of the spectrum, essentially, as far as that goes. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, You know, very similar background. I was doing data analytics prior to really getting involved with Heads Up Health. We were collecting performance data from data centers all over the world, 100 billion data points per day, ingesting and analyzing, probably not, not much different than the sensors you were analyzing in oil and gas and, and deriving ways to understand that data. And it was amazing what you could learn when you had people who knew how to analyze the information and then people who knew how to visualize it in the terms of a, in the user interface. So that inspired a lot of my own work. So similar story where we're taking this experience from other industries and now applying it to health-based use cases. Also family history, autoimmune is one of the big ones in in my family. So much like yourself, on the one hand, just knock on wood, trying to steer clear of that, but also inspires me to keep building what I'm building. And then I love how you said that you and your wife were, were leading the digital nomad life and building this thing, which just, man, when, when you can align your work and your life and your passion, everything is aligned like that. That's when amazing things can be built. And so congrats on that. Now, I will say that you landed in what is debatably the microbrew capital of the world. So yes. <laughs> I'm actually very interested in the correlations between beer consumption in Asheville and heart rate variability. I know you have the data, so let's, let's 
let's table that one for a separate podcast. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, it's Asheville's great. We've set roots here about a year ago or so. And, for uh, family reasons or got family there? Or? No, no, actually, we didn't know anyone here when we yeah. moved here. Um, we just came through for work and then just loved the mountains and they have a great outdoor culture and we sure. eat you know, pretty whole foods based diet, low inflammatory foods and things like that. And Asheville is a place where you can go out to eat and almost any restaurant will have like a gluten-free menu or they'll have uh, the labeled organic ingredients. You know, they have all of that stuff. That Very we health conscious. Yeah. Yeah. I had the great pleasure of spending some time there back in the summer of 2015. Heads Up Health was part of an incubator program which was being run out of like the Greenville, uh, Spartanburg area. Nice. So I'd never spent any time in that part of the country, but then came up to Asheville. And first of all, it's just an incredibly beautiful and, and quaint little town. Mm-hmm. And then I got to go to all these incredible microbreweries. You know, I live in the Bay Area, so I would go taste a flight of wine, but I'd never actually sat down and, and had a flight of beer. So I had my <laughs> first flight of beer while I was out there. And uh, yeah, man, it was just a cool town. So um yeah, great, great choice on where you decided to set up shop. Awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So we have a ton of people who are in our Facebook group, who are users of our system, who are anecdotally hearing this term HRV. And probably not unlike myself before I actually went out and bought the chest strap and actually started doing the measurements. But I would say more specifically, our individuals are working on chronic disease and obesity and weight loss, autoimmune, very specifically. So can you give us the 101 on heart rate variability? Let's start there. And then I know you've got a couple of uh, devices that you can show us. Give, us. give us the basics, and then let's just talk about how someone who's interested can, can take their first measurement. That's the best way to learn, in my opinion, is just dive in, take a few measurements, screw it up a few times, figure it out, and then you're off to the races. So yeah, break down the HRV 101 for us. Yeah, definitely. No, and I totally agree. In the grand scheme of things that you could spend your time and money on, HRV is a pretty cheap investment, which is what really drew me to it for what you can learn about yourself with it. So experimenting and doing some N equals one is definitely a great way to learn about it. But the basics of HRV are essentially that, well, let's take a step back. On, well, okay, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the history second. Okay, the basics of HRV is that what we're looking at is the exact times between each of your heartbeats yep. and how those change from beat to beat. In milliseconds, or, correct? In, in milliseconds, exactly. So we're, uh, we're looking really closely and accurately at the times between each beat and how those vary over time, that's that heart rate variability. And you need pretty accurate hardware to do that, which I'll come back to, but essentially what's neat is when you, when you find specific patterns and you run specific calculations on those changes in time between each heartbeat, you can actually understand more what the nervous system is doing behind the scenes. And so the heart's actually influenced, of course, it's a, it's a central part of the body. It's a, it plays a key role in almost everything. And as such, many things also influence the heart. And so one of those things is the nervous system. And we're really interested in that because a specific branch of the nervous system called the autonomic nervous system handles all of the body's not all of, but it, it's um, the biggest contributor to the stress response and recovery from stress and the regulation of your body's response to stress in the sense that you, you know, when you exercise, that's a physical stress. You need to elevate your blood sugar. You need your heart to beat faster and you need to sweat and do things like that. Well, your autonomic nervous system helps you do all of that. And likewise, when your exercise session ends, you need to recover from that exercise. And in order to do that, you need to sleep. You need to digest your food well. You know, you need to um, bring blood sugar back down and heart rate back down so that they're not elevated unnecessarily when yep. you're recovering. And the autonomic nervous system also helps you do that. And so you, you may mention or you may notice that I kind of described two scenarios there. One was like this typical stress state and one was the typical recovery state. Yep. And in both of those scenarios, I mentioned heart rate. 
So when you're in a typical stress state, heart rate tends to increase, go up, right? Beat faster. And when you're in a typical like recovery state, your heart rate tends to slow down a little and beat slower. Well, this kind of speeding and slowing of the heart happens all the time. In fact, between every single beat almost, Uh this occurs. And so that's why we can use those patterns to kind of key in on what the autonomic nervous system is doing, how it's influencing the heart. And based on that, kind of understand what other stresses and things are happening to the body that are causing it to influence the heart in that way. And so the beat, so the time between each beat, those numbers in milliseconds, that, that essentially is like a proxy metric that you're using to understand the atomic nervous system. Is that right? Autonomic mm-hmm. nervous system. Right. Got yep. It. And yeah, there's a lot of other things in there. So, I mean, blood pressure and what's called the baroreceptor reflex and then the respiratory sinus arrhythmia. And you can throw out all these kind of big words and stuff. But essentially what's happening is like through these patterns in your heart rate, these millisecond changes in your heart rate, we're able to run certain algorithms and we're able to see when the body's under more stress or less stress or recovering from stress. And that so stress are these algorithms that you're constantly building and learning from the data or are these known published algorithms that are out there already? Yeah, that's a great question. So basically we're constantly learning and building these algorithms. So the tuning, tweaking as you get more data and more use cases and things of that nature and discover new algorithms to look for new patterns. Is that right? Exactly. Yep. And the, uh, you know, there's some base heart rate variability calculations out there. So like you can go to, and so this is a good time to talk about history of HRV real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't invent HRV, so to speak. You heard in my founder story that I did, I read about it when I was yeah. looking for tools to use for myself and my clients. And basically HRV has been in use for decades, but previously it took really expensive like EKG, ECG equipment to get the accuracy needed to measure those times between each beat. Got it. So we're talking tens of thousands of dollars for the equipment at, in some cases. And then also the analysis of that data is really complex. And so it would take a team of scientists in some cases to actually parse through that data and derive any patterns from it. So it made it really impractical to use. Sure. And only the only big hospitals or sports teams with big budgets could really afford to do this. And so it existed. Was, it was just like the first computers. It was just astronomically cost prohibitive for the average Joe to be able to do this. Right. And because of the cost prohibition and also the kind of cumbersomeness of the process, you couldn't capture much data very often. It was still pretty useful. They still used it and still did research on it and created you know, peer-reviewed research and stuff over the past few decades on it. But essentially, when you are able to start automating some of that process and you start able to giving access to it in a much more accessible, cheaper form that's still accurate, then it really opens the doors to tons and tons of use cases For and sure. then not, not only that when you start getting tons of data in and you're uh, you know people can measure hrv today anytime anywhere in as little as a minute from their smartphone and you know one of our paired devices which we can chat about later but when you start doing that the use cases just the sky's the limit basically at that point because uh, we're not also limited to those original calculations sure, you can, that yeah, were so used all. for HRV. Yeah. Right? So just to break it down, then, it's, it's um, the heart rate variability is looking at the elapsed time between every single heartbeat, and it's different between each heartbeat. There, there's a difference beat to beat to beat, 20 milliseconds, 40 milliseconds, 35 milliseconds. The, time, the elapsed time between each beat is different. Mm-hmm. And by by very accurately measuring that now with hardware that is available to pretty much any anybody for under a hundred bucks, probably you can give us some recommendations here. Then the average person can figure out a measurement of stress, and that is something that I think is fascinating because so many people are working on stress-related issues, but there's never been ways to quantify 
in improvement. So for example, when I was going through a very stressful period in my corporate life before I started this company, I was doing a lot of meditative practices. And I knew that was improving because I felt more relaxed, but there was never any way necessarily to measure whether or not my, my stress levels were improving or not. And I think a lot of people who are engaged in any kind of stress reduction practice, whether it's just yoga or meditation or cryotherapy or float tanks or any of that stuff, particularly with meditation, you never really know if you're doing it right. You, you never really know if you're getting any benefits. So what's amazing is, uh, is we now have a way to <clears throat> not only quantify baseline levels, but also quantify improvements. And then I think most importantly, give people an easy way to start testing for themselves and figuring out, okay, I tried five different things and this was actually improved. This one improved my HRV, this one didn't. So all of the N equals one experiments, it's also personalized and individualized. So just low cost testing for ways to add in this quantifiable stress management component to, to their health routine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. yeah, it's it's exactly right. It's it gives you in some cases you can use it for live biofeedback, which means it kind of similar to what you were saying, how is a specific breathing pattern or a specific movement or a specific mm-hmm. meditation actually impacting your body on a systemic level. Yep. And let's drill into that uh, concept of systemic measurements right real quick because uh, when you say stress often people will think okay work stress psychological stress you yes. know emotional stress those types of things and people often are, are pretty easily on board with the concept of exercise being a stress like a physical stress to your muscles and your body right but stress can come from a ton of different sources and not all of them so obvious and i'm sure your listeners and viewers can appreciate this, especially stress can come from nutrition even, right? So you can create inflammation in the body by making poor nutritional and dietary choices. And that inflammation is a stress on the body. And that inflammation also can then manifest with chronic disease or autoimmune conditions or or things like that. And interestingly, HRV is impacted by and tracks with stress from almost all sources and inflammation included. So there's tons of studies out there on inflammatory load and HRV values. So similar to like if you're tracking blood sugar or blood glucose, your blood glucose responds to inflammation in the body as well. Typically as inflammation goes up, fasting blood glucose goes up, right? And the, the opposite is true for HRV. So that's, I guess, one point that's important to make too for folks listening. Generally, when you're at rest, you want more variability, Mm -hmm. so higher HRV. Yep. And then when you're stressed, you'll have lower variability typically, and that means less or lower HRV, less variability. So the reason for that is that's a a common question that comes up that doesn't really make sense. Why do I, when I'm resting, why do I want my heart to be more variable? And it's not like an end goal or something like that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't just want a variable heart just because. But essentially, if you think about it this way, when your body is stressed, it really needs to regulate everything super strictly. So yeah. you, you need your heart rate to elevate. You need to deliver nutrients to the right place at the right time to your muscles and to your brain and everywhere so that you can respond to that stress. So it takes tight control, the sympathetic branch of your autonomic nervous system kind of overrides everything and makes your heart rate really consistent. Got it. That's why it's lower variability because everything is just like in this hyper alert mode. Right. As things chill out a little, as your body is able to rest and recover, which is actually what it's supposed to be doing most of the time, is your other things like breathing or blood pressure or digestion or different things like that have an impact on your heart rate. And those things, you know, combined with interaction of the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system, which is that rest and recovery typical branch, slows down your heart rate, also allows it to be a little more variable and flexible. An analogy that is kind of nice for people to uh, think about is a really tall building or a tall tree is often if you stand at the base and look up, you can see it kind of swaying in the wind, right? 
And that's what you really want. That's why we kind of want more variability is it's just kind of an indication or it correlates with flexibility in the system. Yeah, that makes sense. And resilience versus rigidity and yep. in the system. So cool. So we also share some of these podcasts. The videos actually will go on to YouTube. So for those who are just listening, we're going to do some visual parts and I'll just try to articulate it as best I can. So show us a couple ways that somebody can test HRV. I know you have a, uh, a chest strap there. So, and you also have your new hardware based device. Mm-hmm. A lot of, if, if somebody just wants to get started and take their very first HRV measurement, what do they need? Yep. So basically our smartphone app is free. I mentioned yep. that elite HRV. Yep. And then you just need accurate enough heart rate hardware Yep. So I think people can also appreciate that a lot of wrist-based heart rate devices are great for capturing basic heart rate in some yep. cases. Some cases they're not as great for that either. But um, Like a wrist-worn tracker. I think that's important to call out here because just wearing something around the wrist, like a Fitbit, for example, is not going to be a supported device because it's just not going to be accurate enough. Is that correct? Right. Those devices aren't designed for HRV. And so heart rate, but not heart rate variability. Right. And if you think about real quick, if you're measuring just heart rate, you don't care exactly when the beat happens. You just care how many of them happen. Right. So 60 beats per minute means one per second. And Mm -hmm. you don't really care if it's 1.01 seconds, not 0.99 seconds. Yep you know, something like that. So a chest strap on the other hand, like this one I'll, I'll show is just, uh, sorry, it's got some scratchings on it. Ours get heavy use. It's got a little bit of character. That's Yeah, but it's so just a polar, polar heart rate, which is very common brand name. You can probably get them online for what, what 30 or 40 bucks, something like that. Yeah. Now actually their newer ones are, are a little schnazzier. And um, so the polar H10 is the recommended chest strap for us and that's yep. about $80 or $75 yep. yep but it is a really nice chest strap uh, yep. very comfortable very reliable signal I believe it's also waterproof or water resistant you can swim with it if you want to exercise with it yep um, so it's multi-use so you and yes yeah, thing on yep basically you just you put it on your chest you connect it to your phone via yep. bluetooth yep. and you take a two-minute reading and that's it And uh, that's the other key point here is that you don't have to wear something all day or all night to measure HRV effectively. Yep. You get a really ton of value out of just a two minute reading. Yep. And especially if that reading is first thing in the morning, because that really helps you establish a baseline and understanding of your true stress levels versus just like maybe you just uh, were in an argument with somebody and that's more of a biofeedback tool there. But um, so we are also coming out with a device because even though we really, we're as open as possible, we try to accept as many accurate devices as as you can. People were kind of disenchanted with using a chest strap first thing in the morning. Yep. Um, So we're coming out with a finger sensor, which you can see I'll hold up to the screen. Yep. Looks like and, a pulse oximeter type of a thing almost. Yeah, it, it, it's very similar to an experience if you've ever gotten pulse oximetry done at yep. the doctor or at the hospital or something. Yep. You just stick your finger in there. This is obviously geared up to be, here I have a couple colors I can hold up and show. Yep. It's geared to be like a much more sleek looking device than the one you would find at the hospital for pulse yep. oximetry. Yeah. And then uh, different than those devices, it's actually designed specifically for accurate HRV measurements. Got it. Okay. So, so you wouldn't more accurate uh, than, than a chest strap, for example, because it's taking a measurement on the finger. Is that right? In some cases it can be more accurate. Yes. For most cases, it'll be pretty interchangeable from an accuracy perspective for just basic HRV measurements. But it's engineered for HRV from day one versus being engineered for heart rate, but can also do heart rate variability. This is the opposite, engineered for HRV and also presumably does heart rate. Exactly. Yeah. And so you wouldn't wear this device all day or anything, you know, you're clipping it to your finger. I'll do my little like scissor hands uh, move here. Yeah. But um, (laughs) basically it's designed to be hyper accurate for rested state HRV measurements. So. If you're going to take a one minute reading or if you want to do a 20 minute meditation or something, you just slip this on your finger. There's actually not even any buttons or anything. As soon Uh as you slip it on, it detects your finger and starts looking for that HRV data. Yep. And it streams it to the mobile app 
and you get live feedback as well as instant scores as soon as you hit save on the end of that reading. Cool. And what people do with this, how people use this in practice is they'll take like our finger sensor, for example, they'll just leave it on their bedside table. And then when they wake up, they'll just pop it on their finger. It has three different LED emitters from uh, multiple wavelengths to account for different skin thicknesses, skin colors, all this stuff. But you pop it on your finger, take a two minute reading, the app gathers that data and starts building a personal baseline trend for you. Yep. And so that's a, another really important point here is that when you can capture data so easily like this, uh, like this high quality data, you don't need much data to start establishing a really personalized experience. And that's what we do is after you take several readings over several days, the app learns what your individual trends of stress and recovery are like. And yep. then it starts giving you these guidance and these balance gauges and autonomic nervous system strength gauges and helping you understand, hey, today I am more likely to have cravings because my HRV is really low and my body's already under stress before I've even done anything today. Yep. So now I know when I go to the office, if I'm trying to follow a ketogenic diet and there's donuts in the break room, those donuts are going to be like kryptonite to me. So I need to just bring a snack with me that will help me or, you know, avoid the break room or do a breathing exercise, drink a bunch of water. There's a, there's a number of different things you can do yep. to put yourself in a better place. But you have kind of some data up front that helps you know when you need to uh, prioritize those things. Cool. So I think that is a really good just like baseline set of knowledge for people. I'm really interested, Jason, in heart rate variability and how it shows up with respect to different disease states. So for example, anecdotally, I know a lot of people who I'm communicating with online who have autoimmune conditions mm -hmm. and their HRV is low. And so that's a function of the stress in the body actually suppressing heart rate variability. So is it normal for people with chronic diseases to have lower heart rate variability because of the stress from that disease state. So if you took a person who's normal and healthy and a person with Crohn's disease, for example, is it very consistent to say that that individual with Crohn's is going to, on average, have lower HRV because their body is so, under so much additional stress from the, from the chronic condition? Right. Yeah. And so there's a couple of good points there. The The short answer is yes. And that would be kind of on a, on a statistical population level. Absolutely. Yep. Of course, you can't extrapolate that to an individual yeah. uh, with 100% certainty, but, Understood. and also specifically Crohn's, I'm not sure, but pick, I would, pick your autoimmune disease. Yeah. yeah pick your, pick your chronic condition yeah. and Typically, both anecdotally and in the, the literature, folks with chronic health conditions have lower overall baseline heart rate variability. Okay. And that's just on the uh, population level, right? And so that's important to know, though, because what a lot of folks will do is uh, they'll measure their HRV and they'll say, is my score good, right? And then you'll say, well, you're about 20% below your age or gender or com combination demographic. I can't say for sure that this, that's really bad for you specifically because there's genetic variation. But in general, it's statistically likely yeah. that something is not right. <laughs> Go in well, that's, I think the main point is like, okay, so I test my HRV. I have an autoimmune condition. The numbers are terrible. They're, they're way below baseline for my age and my demographic. But like anything, that's, that's a power in providing information to people because we as the individuals now can start working on that number. And I can guarantee you that when you go for your annual physical, they're, they're not looking at your heart rate variability data. They're running some basic labs and some BMI stuff. But now, okay, so the numbers aren't where they need to be. But now, just like giving somebody a Fitbit and saying, man, okay, I'm only getting 2,500 steps a day. I'm not even getting the, the minimum required movement just, just for basal me metabolic rate. So mm -hmm. that's a data point. And, and you give people a data point and you give them some information and we can go work on it. 
that's that's the beauty I think of of all of the technology that can help people. It may not be easy. It may be an extremely difficult battle depending on your your condition. So it can be probably disheartening or discouraging when the numbers don't move. But at least you now have this incredibly powerful metric to use and to work on. Just like you'd work on your hemoglobin A1C if you're working on a diabetic issue or your HSCRP if you're working on an inflammatory condition. This is actually a really helpful metric you can take every single day that can help you understand how your body is improving or not. So just anecdotally, over the past few months, I've, I've been seeing mine start to creep up significantly over the last few months as I've really started to work on nutritional supplementation, working on the, the, the gut, gut health, have been focusing a lot on that. So I've been able to start seeing mine come up. And that's, I think, exciting. And I can actually know like, okay, I've had three or four days of really good readings. And I can take on anything at that point. Like my body is so ready to go. I can go into the gym and just kill it. So I think that's where it's really amazing to start having this type of biofeedback that we can work on on a day-to-day -day basis. I want to go back to one thing you said, Jason, which is that for some people, it's genetic. For other people, you can move the needle. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so uh, I guess what I meant by that is not that that some people are just genetically super low HRV people or something. We, we don't really see that. And what I mean by that is basically like, it's almost like body weight. People talk about body weight set points, right? Uh, like, that's kind of what I was wondering is, is, a, is an individual set point. Like for me, no matter what I do, I look at my weight over the last five years, right? There's like a set point and I'll, I'll be plus or minus 10 pounds depending on what I'm doing to my body at any given time. But then I come back to 193 pounds. So like, yeah. <laughs> is, is it similar here with HRV? Yeah, so the, the way I might describe it is, let's say two different people eat nothing but Twinkies for a year, right? And one person gets obese, the other person gets arthritis, yep. right? So maybe they both get obese and that's an example particularly. But, you know, there's different manifestations from the same kind of root causes. And also there's different ways that our uh, genes are expressed in an epigenetic, from an epigenetic standpoint. So yep. there is variation in HRV values from person to person. Mm -hmm. And it's not clear necessarily what those are. But in general, it's not like we're talking about huge variations. We're not saying like, okay, so our HRV score is a one, one to 100 scale. And most people, the average is about 59 or 60. Yep. And so it's not like we have people who are just normal average people who are 59 and people who are normal average people that are 20. Yep. That's, it's, not, it's not like that. People who are 20 usually have issues or they're very old. Yep. And I forgive, forgive me for being so blunt on the, on the air like that. Yep. But, you know, that's, a, that's another great and uh, interesting point is that HRV, uh, there's this thing called the Palo Alto Prize, which we like to bring up because it's just very interesting. Long story short is that there's a, a group of uh, really high profile research institutions that have got together and created a uh, anti-aging slash longevity prize of a million dollars. Yep. And the metric, one of the metrics they chose to determine the winner is improvement in heart rate variability because better HRV is correlated with being younger and more fit. And that doesn't matter necessarily what your actual chronological age is. So everybody knows somebody who's uh, over 70 years old, but really fit and seems like they can conquer the world still. In general, that person's HRV is higher than their peer group. And they could, it could even be higher than a 30-year-old who is... Stressed know, out and unhealthy and dealing with all kinds of stuff. Exactly, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, that's just really, really incredible. Cool. And another example of that too is, you know, back around to your question about uh, genetics and different conditions and stuff is that, you know, we see that HRV also correlates with resilience and tolerance to all types of stress. Yep. And so an example of that is in a clinic uh, that we have worked with that does traumatic injury, physical re uh, injury related rehab, the people with the lowest HRV scores take 
much longer to rehab and also respond less well to the rehab. And so by increasing the HRV values as a tool of measurement, it typically correlates with better resilience and response to other training or other interventions. So kind of self-perpetuating, like this may not be a surprise to you, to the listeners or, or watchers, but when you sleep better, you tend to eat better. <laughs> when you eat better, you tend to sleep better. If you exercise, you tend to eat better, sleep better. So there's, it's all kind of self-perpetuating and, and HRV provides you like a compass to see if you're moving in the right direction. Uh, so much of this is relevant here because I think back to the people who are using Heads Up Health. They're, they're managing a chronic disease. They're working on their blood sugar issues. They're do, they think they're doing everything right and they're eating the right diet and they're following the information from whichever health practitioner they're working with. The one thing they may not be looking at is how much is stress contributing to my progress or lack thereof. Okay, I'm taking all the supplements. I'm doing everything I need to do. But I've never had a way to quantify what impact stress is having on my personal condition. And so let's take an inflammatory disease, for example. You could be eating an autoimmune paleo diet and you could be doing everything right, but you may be under a significant amount of stress from sources that you may or may not even be consciously aware of. It could be emotional at work. It could be something still undiagnosed inside of you. And Environmental so the, even. Yes. And so... The HRV now allows you to, to actually bring in the component of stress and how much this is showing up inside of your, your treatment regimen. So if I'm, if I'm seeing HRV numbers in, in, in the low teens, for example, that's a good indication that my system is under tremendous stress and that's just another marker that I can start to work on. So it helps bring in that quantification aspect of the stress component. So you can have diet and sleep and lifestyle and movement and meditation and all these other things and now have a metric to understand how much the stress component is factoring into this, which I think is awesome because a lot of people with high blood sugar, for example, it's, it's due to stress, mm-hmm. a certain component of it. So now we have a, a number we can start to use. I want to just, uh, as, as we close out here, Jason, talk about some things that people can do mm-hmm. to improve heart rate variability. And the first one I want to ask you about is improving digestive health, the health of the gut microbiome. So many of us have digestive issues. We have what's called uh, intestinal permeability, which is, is also commonly called leaky gut. And mm-hmm. there are so many disorders these days that start in the gut. So how much experience do you have with working on gut health as a mechanism and how that plays into heart rate variability? Yeah, so that's an interesting question and one that there's, I think, a lot more research needs to be done on. But in general, I have a lot of anecdotal experience with that because I have a lot of gut issues that I've been working on personally. And uh, both Alyssa and I, my wife Alyssa and I, have battled with some autoimmune conditions and things that were gut-related. And we also saw HRV uh, or we also found HRV to be really useful in that kind of in navigating that environment. Absolutely. So can um, you share like what, what you've seen in your measurements, or whatever you feel comfortable sharing as you've gone through periods where autoimmune was very prevalent and then go through periods where you've been able to bring it under control and what you've seen from an HRV point of view? Yeah, so typically HRV and gut-related issues is more of a long-term process, right? The gut doesn't heal overnight. It takes a long time. Exactly. And so what you might see is if somebody's like a full-blown celiac, for example, and they eat gluten, then they will get probably a really acute response with HRV. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those individuals don't need HRV to notice that acute response. But, but that's a good point, Jason. Sorry to interrupt you there, but gluten and celiac, it, it could be somebody who's not celiac but has a very strong food sensitivity and they eat something and the HRV goes down. Is that correct? So almost a way to identify food sensitivities and the effects therein. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, that's not, I can't say that's a hundred percent of the time going to be the case, Fair but enough. that is, that's actually a protocol that we're working on with, uh, Alessandro Ferretti, who's going to be creating content for our advanced HRV course. And cool. 
in there is going to be a basic protocol for doing food sensitivity testing with HRV. Wow, man, that's awesome. Can you give us a little bit like, is, is it eating certain foods and then taking measurements after you eat? Right. So kind of the gist of it is it's good to establish a baseline first. Yep. So I recommend that for almost any HRV related experiment is take those morning readings just like so, the fasting blood sugar. You wake up in yeah. the morning, you take the blood sugar before you do anything. This is very similar. Take that baseline morning, let's just call it waking HRV measurement. That's kind of like where people should get their baselines, correct? Yep, and we call it morning readiness. Yep. So, yeah, so uh, that helps you really understand your true baseline of what's going on with HRV. Yep. And then from there, if you want to do some experimentation, say around food or any potential stressor, what you'll want to do is also take a measurement. So you'll want to standardize how you take your measurements. So if you're going to be measuring sitting down in a chair, then keep that for all of these tests. So um, basically, before you eat, sit down in a chair, let your heart rate stabilize, take a two-minute reading, then eat, and then take a reading a few minutes after eating. So once you finish, sit back in that same chair, take another two-minute reading. And then depending on how much, how geeky you want to get with the number of times you take a reading, you can take one like every 15 minutes if you want. But really, if you just take one maybe like 45 minutes after eating and an hour and a half after eating. That's pretty awesome. Yep. Yep. So then what you're looking for is no matter what HRV is going to change. So, Absolutely. so you don't, you don't become alarmed. It's just like blood sugar, right? So it when you, up after you eat, no matter yeah, what, right? Exactly. But as you would have read in like wired to eat by Rob Wolf, right? Yep. If you use blood sugar as a test, then yes. Okay. Blood sugar is going to go up after you eat, but you don't want it to spike through the roof and you don't want it to remain elevated for hours and hours on end. Right? So similar story with HRV is HRV will change after you eat most likely. Mm-hmm. However, if you can establish a baseline and kind of understand what that normal change looks like, then you can zero in on changes that are not normal and you can have responses to food that are not normal where HRV maybe drops a bunch and then stays low for yep. a period of time after that meal. That's really cool. Yeah, we have a feature inside Heads Up Health and it's called the Carb Tolerance Test. Mm. We, we built it after reading Rob's book and talking with functional medicine doctors. And what the feature does is it allows you to take a baseline blood sugar reading, describe the food that you ate, and then take postprandial is the term in the blood sugar world, but take a 30-minute reading post after you eat, 60-minute reading, uh, 120, two hours. That's kind of like the, the best practice. And then mm-hmm. also a three-hour reading. And it's exactly the same thing. We're looking to see, okay, how high did blood sugar go? In this case, after we eat with HRV, it'll be the opposite. How low did it go? Mm-hmm. And then how long does it take to return to baseline? And we have people who test their favorite foods and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> at the, the three-hour mark, you know, my blood sugar is still on a rocket ship ride. And it right. hasn't come back down to normal. It's still going up at the three-hour mark. And it's like, definitely do not eat that. Right. Or at least not that quantity of that. Yeah. Maybe cut the quantity in half. That's what Rob suggests as well, right? Okay. Cut the quantity in half. Did I have a a response that's more normal? Okay. I can tolerate this much of this certain specific food. And then over the course of time, weeks, months, decades, you start making these choices that are more physiologically safe for a body. And I think that's where we get the compound effects of really learning what works and what doesn't. So in the case of HRV, being able to regulate this over time and keep blood sugar down, it's all of the homeostasis that you talk about mm-hmm. in the course, learning what to avoid, making it easier for our body to maintain homeostasis is really what is, I think, at the core of vitality, longevity, disease prevention. So. That's really awesome that you and Alessandro are working on that. I think it's really, really cool. We may be able to actually tie it in with our carb tolerance test, where on the same place that you record the the postprandial readings, we could actually have a place for you to also record the HRV readings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do side by side, like uh, take your HRV reading and then get your blood sugar and log both of those and see... 
Um, that's another area that Alessandro is very experienced with is the relationship between HRV and blood sugar. Cool. Yeah, well, we can definitely look at expanding our carb tolerance tests to include that information. And then with blood sugar, it can change over time. So if I had a very poor reaction to a certain food, but over the course of a year, I've lost a lot of fat, I've put on a lot of muscle, I've started eating better, I've been doing intermittent fasting or extended fasting and have started to restore beta cell sensitivity, things that I may have had a very poor reaction to, I may be able to start tolerating in smaller quantities. That's as the body starts to recover and heal. And presumably, you may start to see the same things here where things I couldn't touch from an HRV point of view, as my health improves, as I make it easier for my body to maintain homeostasis, as I start sleeping better and my scores improve, I may be able to, to reintroduce certain things that I wasn't able to do before. So am I understanding that correctly? Am I feeding it back right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, cool. exactly. All right. Well, this is awesome. Jason, tell us a little bit more about where people can get started with your products, where they can find information from Elite HRV, anything you want to leave us with uh, so that people can get started after they listen to the show or follow up with questions. Yeah. So EliteHRV.com. Yep. Um, pretty straightforward. And you can also just search Elite HRV on the app stores, uh, app stores and you'll yep. find us there. We're usually the first HRV app and the highest rated, which I'm a little proud of. Uh, yeah, awesome. So yeah, the app's free, the hardware, you can get a chest strap from most sporting goods stores or Amazon, or we have links to the ones that are most recommended on our website. Yeah, that's where I found out. Before you, you started the, the project on the CoreSense, I went to your website, looked at the supported models, and then just went and bought one on the Amazon. Yeah, and the cool thing too about the finger sensor, which is called CoreSense, like you mentioned, is um, we're basically on the verge of bringing that to market right now. So, on that, by the way, I know you had a very successful fundraising campaign, so I can imagine that it's a huge project. But really excited to to see you bring that one to life. Congrats! Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's that has been a huge project for sure, yeah, and uh, we're going to be delivering on that very soon. And right now, the pre-orders are up on the website for kind of a discounted access to that. Awesome. And uh, we'll leave people with a little teaser here about the work that you and I are doing together. And when we're able to pair it with Heads Up Health, then we're going to be able to help people visualize the data right next to HSCRP, blood sugar reading, inflammation markers, everything related to health and disease. So we want to be able to help people see those connections. So I know that you and I have started on that project. I don't want to set timelines or anything like that, but we're really excited to, to partner up and start to bring the two projects together. It's going to be fun. This is a really exciting time for everybody to be alive because we're learning so much more about our body now and at a faster pace than ever before. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason, thanks for being here. I hope we can do it again sometime soon. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 